morning, everybody. It is tremendous to be here with you in a weird kind of way, but you know what? We've been doing this so long that I have been able to convince my mind that you are here, and so nobody tell me that you're not, and I will assume you are. It is such a good day to be in the house of the Lord, even if the house of the Lord is in your living room. Even if you're wearing the goofiest looking pajamas there are, we are still the body of Christ. And he is, <clears throat> he wants to and he will meet us here. He will meet us where we are. And so, today, we're in 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 29. And just to set it up a little bit, remember last week we talked about how King David... He was setting things up to build the temple. And he went to Nathan. Nathan went to God. God revealed that they should not have David build the temple. That he was going to leave Solomon to build the temple. But David could leave the charge in collecting all the stuff. And so... It leads us to, to this passage in 1 Chronicles 29, when the giving was laid out, when the giving began. And so, it helps us to take a look at giving, what the Bible says about giving, the Old Testament views of giving, and, and what that means for us under the New Covenant. And we're going to look at what it means to tithe and... <clears throat> And all of those things as well. And so, let us open our Bibles to 1 Chronicles 29. And I am going to begin in verse 1 and read through the end of the paragraph at verse 22. <clears throat> so, hang with me as we read. The Bible says, Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon... The one whom God has chosen is young and inexperienced. The task is great because this palatial structure is not for man but for the Lord God. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise, stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stone and marble. All of these in large quantities. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God. Over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple. Three thousand talents of gold, gold of Ophir, and seven thousand talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the building. For the gold work, for the silver work. And for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now who was willing to consecrate himself to the Lord today? Then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave to the work on the temple of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold. 10,000 talents of silver 
18,000 talents of bronze and 100,000 talents of iron. Any who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel the Gershonite. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. <clears throat> David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatest, the greatness and the power. And the glory, and the majesty, and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are great strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are aliens and strangers in your sight, as were all our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. O Lord, our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand and all that belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things have I given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. <clears throat> o Lord, God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, Keep this desire in the hearts of your people forever and keep the heart loyal to you. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, requirements, and decrees and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided. Then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed low and fell prostrate before the Lord and the King. The next day, they made sacrifices to the Lord and presented burnt offerings to Him. A thousand bulls, a thousand rams, and a thousand male lambs, together with all their drink offerings and other sacrifices in abundance for all Israel. They ate and drank with great joy in the presence of the Lord that day. <clears throat> Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the privilege we have to, to hear this word, to see it in history, but also, Lord, to put it into practice today and in our future. Lord, we thank you for the great example we have of giving. And Lord, thank you that you are the same God who, who provided for David and the Israelites in that day. You are today and providing for all the needs that we have. Lord, teach us from this text. Challenge us in our giving, even in this weird time, this time of uncertainty. I pray that you would reign in our hearts and do not allow fear to weigh us or to draw us away from your truth. 
And Lord, we pray that in all of this you get the glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So the text <clears throat> is the backdrop and where we are, we're in a society that, that speaks of self-made men or self-made millionaire or the money makes the man. And money is very important in our society. And I believe the more we read in scripture, the more we see that our culture has this all wrong in that money is way too important in our society. But I also think that we will talk about today, too, the difference between Old Testament giving and where we are in New Testament. So first, I want to look at three reflections on Old Covenant giving. Three things from the Old Testament. First is that giving is God-driven. God-centered and God-exalting. This is a truth from the Old Testament. And of course it continues to be true. So giving in the Old Testament acknowledges that God is the owner of all things and we are his stewards. Even David, who was a very wealthy man, he owned a lot of stuff. He made it clear, verse 11, 12, and 14, that all of this stuff we get was God's. Anyway, it belongs to God. And I think it's very cool that David gives first. And then the people follow his example. And these, these gifts, I want you to think about this. These are precious metals in our day, just like they were in David's day. Could you imagine? This is what they were giving. 190 tons of gold. 190 tons of gold. 375 tons of silver. 675 tons of bronze. 3,750 tons of iron. And no matter in their economy or ours, 190 tons of gold is a lot of stuff. But what is pointed out in the Old Testament here is that God owns it all anyway. God is the giver of all things, and we are his servants. He owns it all, and he gives it all to us, right? And so... I believe sometimes we feel when we give that God is, God's pretty lucky to have us. God's pretty lucky to have somebody who gives like we give. When in reality, God owns our wallet and everything in it. God owns our bank account and everything in it. It would be like if you were to loan me an expensive car to drive for the week. And at the end of the week, I return the car to you and I said out of the, the grace and the 
depths of my heart. I just, in my generosity, I just want to give you this car. Your car. And you were to look at me and think, you know what, I, I appreciate your generosity, but you're a nut. It was my car all along, and it still is. Imagine what God must think when we do that to him. God, I want to lay before you this gift that was yours, that you gave to me, that you led me to give, that you outgave me to start with, but God, you must think I'm pretty. Giving is God-driven, God-central, and God-exalting. Second, God's people give out of celebration, not out of obligation. This is huge. In a world where it is, it is difficult to, to lead people to give to anything ever, it seems that the best that can be done sometimes is just saying we want to pay our tithe and we look at it kind of like paying our bills. But David and the people of Israel did not look at it that way at all. They gave willingly. They were happy to give. And it's exciting to watch them give with such celebration. So God's people gave out of celebration, not out of obligation. And, and that really leads us to the third thing, and that is that our giving is always attached to our heart. Always attached to our heart. You can look at your, your check account, your, your bank registry, you can look at the record of where you spend your money, and you can tell a lot about your heart. You can look at my checking account, and you can tell a lot about my heart. And if you were to look at mine, you would think, yeah, yeah, you're a redneck. But you can tell. Our giving is attached to our hearts. That is how it is. In David says in verse 5, who will devote their hearts to the Lord? Jesus said it similarly in the New Testament when he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so, there's a look at the Old Testament giving, just a few reflections. But then, Getting down to the, the meat of it, I want to look also at three types of Old Covenant gifts. Three types of Old Covenant gifts, and the first is the one we're used to, and that is tithes. And tithes were given to do several things. Tithes were given to support the priests and the Levites. And this is 10% of everything. 10% of income, 10% of everything. It's kind of like one of the first weeks we were quarantined, we went by someone's house in the church. And, uh, 
And the first thing that the guy did was he threw me a roll of toilet paper and said, here's my tie of toilet paper. And uh, for a minute, I thought he was joking. And then I wasn't so sure he was joking. And then finally, I was convinced he was joking. But he was good at it. And so, a tithe, 10% of everything. Everything. And so, provides for the leadership, the priest, the Levites, provide for community celebration. And so, the, the community celebrations in their day, the different feasts, funded by the tithe. That's in Numbers 18, Deuteronomy 14. The tithe was also to help the poor and needy. And so, I want to back up and, and make this clear. There was, every year, a 10% tithe. And then, there was a second tithe that provides for the community celebration. And then, every three years, there was a third gift to help the poor and needy, Deuteronomy 14, 22 through 29. And so think about this. If you want to be an Old Testament giver, 10% off the top, additional 10% every year to help with the community stuff. And then every three years, another 10% to help the poor and needy. So total tithe, about 23% per year. And now there's a caveat that needs to be added here. Israel was a city-state. And so what that means is, is that they're giving... To help the poor and needy, those types of things would be similar to our taxes. But they were a theocracy, but that city-state mindset also had that their money was pulled and did those things. Where now, we are not in a theocracy we are in a constitutional democracy, and so our giving, our taxes go to help the poor and needy and pays for leadership and that kind of stuff. But what I'm speaking of here, the Israelites, 23% a year giving. And, and so what that means is we're on we're on Type 1 of Old Testament gifts. This was, the tithe was only the beginning of their giving. This is the floor, not the ceiling. It was the beginning. And then they had the second type of giving was the first fruits. The first fruit offerings were given to offer the best to the Lord. They were first, they were the best. If you're a gardener, it would be you give off the top at the beginning of the year. What that does is a couple things. One, it gives the good produce in the beginning up front. You're not given the tired stuff once August hits and the, the garden's barely hanging on. 
But second thing, what that does is it shows trust. I'm giving God the first, and I'm trusting him to provide everything else. And so that is the gift of first fruits. And so that is the first, the best, off the top. Third type of giving is free will offerings. So free will offerings were given to offer the excess to the Lord. That's what's going on here in 1 Chronicles 29. This was not them giving their 10% or their second 10% or the every three year 10%. This was free will offerings because they wanted to out of the excess that they had. This was above and beyond. There's a place in Exodus 36 where they are giving in Moses' day and they were taking care of the, the tabernacle and, and putting together all of those things then after they were free from Egyptian slavery. And there was a time where the people were giving this free will offering so much that the workers who were using these things to build and to make what needed to be done, they said, we have too much. And they went to Moses and said, Moses, tell them to stop. We have too much. Could you imagine? Oh, for the day that something like this would happen, that we would have to say, stop! Stop giving so much! So these are the three types of Old Covenant gifts. And so then that brings us to three conclusions, moving into New Covenant giving. We are not under the law, we are under the grace. We are under the new covenant. And to state the fact, there is no command to tithe under the new covenant. There just isn't. And some of you are saying, I've been ripped off all these years by giving. And some of you are saying, yeah, I told you. But there simply is no command to tithe under the new covenant. In fact, there is there's one place where, where Jesus mentions it to the, to the Old Testament leaders, the, the Pharisees. And he says in passing, you tithe off of this and this and this. And you make sure that you do your tithe. And that's, that's cool. But here's where you need to be focusing your heart. And so he doesn't say that you need to tithe. He's also not saying you don't need to tithe. But we're going to say more on that in a minute. But what is in the New Covenant? Giving in the New Covenant involves greater sacrifice than giving in the Old Covenant. Not less. Not less. And so... There are those who say that I am under grace, not under the law, and so I don't have to give a tithe. In fact, the average
2.5% to the church. 2.5%. And if, and we are, we are under grace and not the law, but grace is greater than the law. So why in all that is holy would we believe that giving out of grace is less than the law. It's not. You think of what the law was. The law required giving, sacrificing goats and oxen and things such as that. Grace came from the sacrifice of the life of our Savior Jesus Christ. And so how can we say that it's less? How can we give less than the mandate from the law because we have grace now. And so tithing is a helpful guideline for giving under the new covenant, but it is not a legalistic mandate. And so what I would say then is start your giving with the first 10% to the church. And this is the floor of giving. This is where we should start, not where we should end. So, I ask the question, how can you most glorify God with your giving? Not what can I get by with. When we ask it that way, we really are trying to pay off God or tip God. And you know, we're kind of locked indoors for a while. Things aren't going great. You're wanting a refund on 2020. So God, you just haven't really knocked it out of the park this year, dude. So you know, I hope you understand that I'm going to have to cut you down. We don't say that. But again, if we check our bank account, it tells on us. It tells on us. And so... We start, we start with the tithe, and then expand your giving with greater percentages according to your excess, according to how God is blessed. So there's no ceiling on giving, but I believe the tithe should be the floor, where we start. And so, let's look at some some thoughts on this. Three reasons why tithing is helpful in New Covenant giving. Why is tithing helpful to use as a practice under grace for our giving? One, tithing honors a biblical principle. The Old Testament describes it. Jesus endorses it. He doesn't command it. But he said to the the Pharisees, you tithe on all these things, that's great. Now he was pointing out where they were failing in other areas, thinking that if they paid up on everything else, they were good. Old Testament described it. Jesus endorsed it. 
And so, tithing reinforces the truths of God's ownership and our stewardship. It gets us in the mindset of seeing who owns all this. If we get into the mindset that I work my tail off and I earn this money and I am going to get God to keep his stingy hands off of what I work for. If that's our mindset, one, we're not biblical, and two, we're foolish. But we need to be reminded that God owns it all. He owns everything. And He allows me to give to what He's doing. How cool is that? That He allows us to take part. Does He need what we have? If He wanted it, He knows where it is. He can take it, right? The God who created all humanity, He can't get the money out of the safe. He can't write a check and forge your signature. God doesn't need to do these things. He owns it all. He don't need American cash. We need to give. We need to have the mindset that God owns everything. And we are the stewards of what He owns. We need that. That reminder Perhaps on payday, when we look at our check or we look at our bank account and say, you know what, I don't own this. God is letting me steward this money. And another thing that tithing does, tithing helps us in the constant battle with greed and materialism in our heart. And so if we give, we give it away, and we get in that mindset and that heart set that we give it away, then it keeps us away from being little greedy hoarders and wanting to get all I can, can all I get, and sit on the can kind of mentality. That we have everything we want, and if I could just get a little more, I could store it over here and build a, a bigger barn, as the Bible speaks of. And we're warned about the dangers of wealth. Remember last week, if you were with us, we spoke a little bit about Solomon and how God had told them when you get a king, the king shouldn't have a whole lot of wives and not a whole lot of wealth. Solomon had both and it led to bad stuff. And so, we come to the place where I want us to see personally, you, me, how we get where we are. Some of you are probably sweating right now and thinking, man, so uncomfortable. But at least you aren't here in this building when I speak about money. I think it is awesome that we talked about going through the Bible and preaching through this text four months ago before pandemic of 2020. I also think it's cool that I have no idea how the church's finances are going. I trust people who do, but I try my best to stay out of it. 
And so if we are about to go belly up in the red, I don't know. Nobody's told me. What I do know is I've seen people who have come in to give. I've seen envelopes come through the mail. I see PayPal being used. And, and I see people going out of their way to say, how can I give? I even had one church member meet me in the parking lot to give a tithe off of the stimulus check because that church member said, this is not my money and I need to get it out of my face and into God's hands as soon as I can. And so I say, amen. But I want to, to end with, with three prayers for new covenant givers. You and me as new covenant givers, how can we look at this? How do we look at this, the proper use of wealth? And when we look into to this passage, David prayed. And his prayer points to, to God's glory. His, he also prays for his son. But the first prayer that, that I want to focus on for us is, God, give us hearts that are enthralled with your worship. If you go over just a few pages into 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 6, Solomon, when he came in to being king, David died, Solomon's in, Solomon asked for wisdom, and then the first thing that Solomon does in verse 6, Solomon went up to the bronze altar before the Lord in the tent of meeting and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. So, the first picture of Solomon, the first picture of his reign is of worship. His kingdom didn't end that way. But he started right. God, give us hearts that are enthralled with your worship. And then secondly, God, give us minds that are filled with your wisdom. That we would be like Solomon in this. And seek wisdom. Seek wisdom from God to lead us in our giving. And I believe that if we act wisely, it would keep us out of getting in trouble financially. About 10 years ago, Joyce and I went through Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey. And he used this term of, he called it stupid tax. And pretty much what stupid tax is, is when you made a dumb financial decision and it cost you big. And he spoke about the dumb decisions he made. I can talk about some dumb financial decisions that I made. So we paid stupid tax. And I believe that if God is leading us in wisdom, that he will make us wise in how we spend our money and keep us away from stupid tax. Keep us away from doing dumb things or ungodly things with the money that he is giving to us to steward. 
third prayer. God, give us hands that are generous with your wealth. God, give us hands that are generous with your wealth. How generous are we? How, how likely are we to give to a need? If we hear of a need, somebody needs something, how willing are we to give? How generous will we give? These are things that I believe that as God works in us, He makes us wise, He makes us hard workers and not lazy people who want other people to pay for our stuff, then we have the money, but with a Christ-like heart that's following His example to give. David the king laid it down and showed an example for his people to give. Jesus the king laid it down to set an example for his people to give. And so let us be generous with our wealth. There's a book written by Randy Alcorn. Alcorn wrote a book called Money, Possessions, and Eternity. <clears throat> it's a good book. And I have a couple excerpts here that I want to read real quickly as we as we wrap this up. But Alcorn wrote, and he's talking about objections that people have. He said, if I'm going to tithe eventually, I just need to move toward it slowly, he says. He says, I'm often asked if if I haven't been giving at all. Won't God understand if I move toward it gradually, like starting at 3% or 5%? And Alcorn writes, what if I told you I have this bad habit of robbing convenience stores, knocking off about a dozen a year. But then I say to you, this year I'm only going to rob half a dozen. Is that better? Well, yes, it's better. But what would you advise me to do? The solution to robbing God is not to start robbing Him less. It's to stop robbing Him at all. If tithing is God's minimum expectation, can I afford not to tithe? And then it gives three different scenarios, and I want to read them to you real quickly. The first scenario, Bill and Donna are in their mid-30s. Bill has steady work, but there's always too much month left at the end of their money. Bill and Donna sincerely intend to put in the offering box whatever is left at the end of the month. But between house payments, bills, and sticking a little in the savings, there's never anything left. They feel bad, but what can they do when they're out of money? The problem, Bill and Donna don't understand the first fruits. They should give to the Lord off the top. Not out of what is left or not left. They don't realize that the tithe belongs to the Lord. And there's a word for taking money that doesn't belong to them. Second situation. Jones, a 22-year-old just finishing college, her 30-hour-a-week job pays just over minimum wage. She earns $800 a month. <clears throat> Jones' parents still provide room and board but she has to take care of her tuition, books, and other expenses. I can't afford to give, says Joan. I'm barely making it now. If I give a tithe, I would be, it would be $80 a month, and I probably, I'd probably have to drop out of school. I'd like to give, but I just can't. The problem, 
Joan is not only robbing God, she's robbing herself of the opportunity to grow in faith. Right now, she doesn't believe God's promises in Malachi 3 or Matthew 6 or Luke 6 that he'll take care of her if she puts God first by giving him what's his. If God is capable of helping her get by on $800 a month, isn't he also capable of helping her get by on $720 a month? Joan's God doesn't seem very big. He can't even compensate for an $80 shortfall. Last one. Don and Sue believe they aren't under law, but grace. And that tithing lends itself to a pharisaical letter of the law approach. They believe that God's law is written on our heart. And we should freely give without compulsion. They are proud of their mature and liberating belief in grace giving. The problem, last year Don and Sue's grace giving amounted to $30 a month. About one half of 1% of their income. And while they laud grace and deplore the law, their actions suggest that grace is 120th as effective as the law. The problem is not with grace, of course, but their belief that grace means God has lowered his standard and doesn't care how we live. And so as we close, I hope that this is, is at least clarifying for us. At the very least, at the very least, we walk away from here at least knowing how we're giving or not. And what God thinks about it. And that God will lead us in the future. And so, a proper use of wealth is grounded in, in God-given wisdom and God-centered worship. That as God captures our hearts, captivates who we are, then He leads us to follow Him. To follow Him in our giving. And, and I guess some of the problem is with this is that if we aren't maturing in our faith, if we are still babies in our faith, then what is most important in our lives controls where our finances go. And so as we grow in Christ, and Christ is more important to us, more a part of our lives and more our life, period, then of course it would make sense to spend our money on what's most important to us. Giving so that the nations hear the gospel. But until we grow to that point in our lives, then other things, possessions and stuff, tends to take that place. And so, let us let the grace of God lead us away from excuses and allow us to, to start with a tithe, go beyond that, and watch what God does. Watch how God blesses when we give and we get to take part in what He does. And so I want to pray. And as I pray, if you don't know Christ personally, 
it makes no sense to believe that a tithe, grace giving, or grace living is going to make that much sense to you right now. But if you know Christ, if I could just share with you about this King, Jesus, who died on the cross for us, and if you trust Him, you know, even right now, if you don't know Christ, would you trust Him right now? And trust Him not only to forgive you of your sin and give you eternal life, but lead you in how you give, how you live your life, how you give your life away in following His example. And so as I pray, I pray that these things weigh heavy on your mind and your heart because God's Holy Spirit is leading in that. And so as God leads you to your next step, whether that be in trusting Christ with, with your life or if it is trusting Him with taking the next step in your giving, would you follow Him? Would you be obedient to Him and take that step? Even if it seems crazy, even if it seems like this is bad timing, I can bet you this. If God is leading you to take the step, it's the right time when you said it is. And so, as we pray, you pray on these things and do what God leads you to do. And, and let me know. If I can help you, call me, text me, and I will help you in any way I can. And so, will you pray with me? Father, we praise you for this. We praise you for the encouragement to give. Thank you for the example we get to see of the people in the Word just giving like crazy. Lord, help us to be that excited about giving to what you're doing. And Lord, I pray that we're excited about what you're doing in us. And Lord, I thank you for the givers in this church. So many people give out of their abundance. So many give out of their need. And so Lord, I pray that you would bring the blessing. And the blessing not as is seen on TV with, with cash. God, I pray for the blessing.